Ladies and gents, we, uh, we, I was about to say we, I'm back, uh, welcome back to another episode, um, <clears throat> I thought I'd just jump on a quick one, on this beautiful Sunday afternoon, it's about 36 degrees or something, I didn't really want to go out in the heat, did I, um, but I thought I'd just jump on a quick one, I want to discuss my early top 10 signings of 2024, um, I'm already a bit keen just to see how the new kind of talent pool goes and, you know, there's obviously been talent moving in and around the, the competition this year. Um, as as we kind of get a bit more parity in the NRL, I think I know there's a few teams that definitely don't go as well as others, and um, there's teams that go way better than the rest of the the pack. Uh, see, Penrith Panthers, but it's still interesting for me to um, just just kind of dissect a few of the signings and where some people have gone and look at it, look at them in a in a bit more depth as to just uh, a name and a, and a new club and a new position maybe. Because um, there's a lot of things that obviously influence a new signing uh, that influence the success of that new signing or um, maybe the, the downfall of that new signing. So I've got 10, I've got my top 10, but I've also got six honourable mentions um, that we're going to run through real quick. So I won't spend too much time on these. It'll just be, um, yeah, it'll just be an overview as to kind of why they didn't make the list and um, then we'll get to the criteria before we get to the top 10, all right? So... Honourable mentions. <clears throat> Pardon me, man. Uh, listen, if I'm clearing my throat, bro, I come down with like a hectic um, cold. So just just allow me. Just allow me. Um, <clears throat> first honourable mention we've got is Spencer Lenu going to the Sydney Roosters. Now, I think this would be in a lot of people's top 10. But to me, why JWH is still there, we're not going to see the full potential of Lenu in a Rooster shirt. Um, I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be a process, you know, that obviously probably eventually want to get him integrated into that starting role, but why, why, what am I saying, bro? Why, while JWH is there, he, he's not going to get that, is he? Uh, JWH has been in that club for way too long to um, give that jersey up. I think Lanyu will come off the bench as a bit of an understudy first, and then probably 2025 we might see him in a starting role if JWH doesn't go around one more time. But... Potentially at the start of the year we could see Lanyu starting, uh, but I think they'll give it to Egan Butcher while JWH is out. Um, but yeah, Lanyu doesn't make the list just because I think they already have a solid amount of forwards. Um, they gave him about 500 to 600k to come off the bench and play 30 minutes a game for this first year. So we can't really fully assess how successful this signing is until I think he gets that prominent role, and that's once once JWH hangs the boots up. So for me, he didn't crack the top 10. Uh, next, I've got Kurt Capel going to the New Zealand Warriors. Now, this is probably one that, again, people will probably have in the top 10 signings just based off the fact that it's Kurt Capel and the Warriors were good last year, so it kind of looks like the rich get richer. But I don't think it's necessarily that good. I don't really understand the fit. Um, Kurt Capel's obviously played right edge before in his career at the Pembroke Panthers. Um, but he's played the last couple um, at, at the Bronx on the left. And to me, like, I just... You got Jackson Ford, who's been so good, and I thought Nia Corte was wonderful last year. I thought they were both really good. Um, so the Cape Ball thing, I, I understand Webster probably wants some experience, and obviously Webster would have crossed paths with Cape Ball at Penrith, I, I would assume. Um, so yeah, maybe it's more like a culture shift, a bit of veteran leadership. I mean, I guess Tohu's getting older, so they probably want some reinforcement there too, but I don't know, man. Like, I just... It depends what they're chipping in, really. It depends how much they're paying him. But for me, uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I feel like he, I feel like he could go really well, or really bad. Like I don't think there's any in between. Like I almost feel like he's like a Ryan Hoffman kind of. When Ryan Hoffman went over to the Warriors from Melbourne, just at the back of his career, he was pretty solid, but he wasn't anything special. Uh, I think that might be. I think that might be what Kate Will is actually. I think that might be what Capewell is. Um, so yeah, that's why I don't even my top ten because I think the the other ten players that I got are going to be a bit more impactful, and 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 the the team was in a bit more need for their services than Warriors were for Capewell. Um, <clears throat> the third honour we'll mention I got Justin Ollum. Well, we'll talk about these two in in one, shall we? Justin Ollum and Sean Bloor. Ollum going to the Tigers, Bloor going to Melbourne. Um, just for the sheer fact, Bloor is very injury prone, and Justin Ollum didn't really have the best year last year. So we don't really know what we're going to get from either of them. Um, if Justin Ollum comes out and starts playing like a Dally M center, obviously he's going to be in the top 10, but I'm going based off last year, and if we're going based on last year, 
he was struggling to make first grade, right? And I'm just being realistic with that. Obviously, I could sit here and be biased and say, no, 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 that's gun. To be fair, it is good, though, because they've got a, a solidified, bona fide first grade starting level center who the Tigers desperately needed. Um, their back line's very, very weak uh, in terms of just depth. They don't, they don't have much, especially in the center position. You go Stafford Tor, uh, Brent Naden, Justin Olam now, Josh Felity. Then you're looking at uh, Kapoa, and is going to be in the back row this year. So, yeah, it's a, it's a bit thin, so he was definitely needed. Um, and, we could, again, this is him or Bloor, and I'm going to get to Bloor in a sec, but these two guys are people we could look back on at the end of the season and be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, they were, for, they were for sure in the top 10. So Sean Bloor, I think Melbourne desperately needed someone like him, um, especially kind of a bit younger too. I think they've got a bit of a younger pack brewing over there. Um, again, Bloor, we won't really know until the end of the year. Um, I think he's got a big opportunity under Bellamy and I think he can explode in Melbourne. Now it's whether or not he can see on the field, um, which is the big the big, the big, big thought, the big kind of question mark hanging over this, this signing. But... I really love it. It'd be on a cheap deal for someone who could turn into an origin rep. So, yeah, I really love it. And, again, to, to to not be in the top 10 doesn't mean you're not good. It just means Sean Bloor, I haven't seen him play enough first grade over the last couple of years to say he's a top 10 signing, right? These other guys, I've seen a fair whack of it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I've got Jack Coggett in Newcastle. Um, now, he probably was in the top 10 uh, maybe at about round... 15 but Newcastle started tearing up man and that that was it that was it Tyson Gamble looks great so I guess it's kind of just like yeah like where where does he fit where does he fit because to me you're probably paying him a good wicket because would you rather be a backup half at Penrith or a backup half at Newcastle now there's two arguments to that backup half at Penrith you're in a better system so you're developing better and you get a chance over Origin to kind of prove yourself. But back up half at Newcastle, you've got your genuine competition to get that signing job every week. So, yeah, I do understand the move. Um, but he probably signed there thinking he was going to be a solidified starter straight away. And Gamble's kind of breakout towards the end of the year. Pardon my voice crack. Has um, kind of thrown a spanner into the works there, I think. So that's why he couldn't. He didn't crack my top 10. Just for the sheer fact that... <clears throat> I think Newcastle got two great halves there uh, at the moment. Now, granted, Phoenix Crossland's becoming an, become a nine. They lo- they've lost Kurt Mann, um, so they did need a backup half anyway. I just think there's cheaper ones on the market, so that's kind of what I'm looking at there as to why he didn't make my top ten. The last one I got, Harmsello to the Dragons. Now he was almost one I actually threw into my top ten because I think the Dragons are in desperate need of forwards with his capabilities. Um, Blake Laurie obviously had a great year last year, but he can't do it all by himself. Um, and I think Harm Sele is going to be there to help him out. Now, I thought Harm Sele was an X-Factor kind of player at his house. Um, I felt they really missed his presence when he wasn't there. And especially with the injury-riddled season last year, you know, it was a bit up and down for Harm Sele last year, but Souths definitely missed him. Um, he's a great offloader of the footy, busts a bunch of tackles, and an absolute meter eater. He's got a huge motor too, I think, with a big role. Um, he can be really successful in the Dragons under Flano. Flano's got the best out of some forwards of his his kind of uh, type and body shape before. So, yeah, I think I think he's a really underrated one. He wouldn't have been on too much. I reckon 400k they might have got him for. So I think that's a really good signing. He's been at the Dragons previously, so he knows the club. Uh, the more I talk about it, the more I almost think he is top 10. But I'm going to leave it out for now just because, again, the, the, the 10 names I've got here are probably a little bit more high profile than him. Um, I was also thinking about Aiden Caesar to the Tigers, but... He didn't have the most impressive years over in the Super League, and there's no guarantee that he's going to start. So, yeah, I just I just left him off. But I do think I do think he could be, he could potentially be an honourable mention. But I didn't want to sit here and talk about honourable mentions for the whole podcast. And went with ten minutes in. That's all I've been doing so far. You know what I'm saying? All right. Next up, we're gonna we're gonna head into the criteria. But before I do that, I'm gonna take a quick break, hydrate myself, and I'll be right back. All right, we're back. Sorry about that. I just had to uh, attend to a couple things, you know, business and that. Don't worry about it. Um, so the criteria, the criteria, as I mentioned. So th- there's just four things that fit into my criteria, right? And the weighting is 25% each. So if you are the best at something and someone's the worst, you get you get how weighting works, right? Yeah. So if someone's the best at everything, they're going to be number one. 
if someone's like one, two, three, one, they're probably going to be first. You get what I'm saying? It just it just depends on the points. It just depends on the points. Um, so my criteria. The first the first criteria you got to meet is team fit. Do you fit what the team needs? So some of these guys, on my honourable mentions, obviously they fit what their team needs, right? They fit what their team needs, of course, but do they fit it better than <laughs> the other guys? I don't, I don't think so. Um, team need, do you need this player? Or have you just signed them? So there's, there's a difference between team need and team fit. So does this player fit your system, right? Does this player fit your system and how much do you need them? So they can fit your system, but you may or may not need them. We're going to get into a player that is 100% that. And, and then you'll kind of understand the category a little bit more. Then I've got the quality of player. So obviously you've got a rep level player, first grade player, reserve grade player. There's all different levels of players. Whether you're a star or whether you're a role player, there's all different ways to define the level of a player. And obviously that comes into consideration because you, we got people like Stephen Cry and Herbie Barnworth who are in this list. They're a better quality player than a Sean Bloor, right? So they're obviously going to get a head start. And then we've got the money, the money, the salary. How much are you paying this player? Are you paying them according to their value? Have you had to pay overs? What type of bread are you paying them? Okay, cool, cool. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna move into the top ten. We're gonna move into the top ten, and and the first the first player in my top ten is number ten, Keenan Palacio to the Gold Coast Titans. Now. <clears throat> I think by the end of the season, this this he could definitely be way higher than this. Um, but right now, my kind of my thought process is, of course, he's a great quality player. He showed that off the bench for Brisbane, right? He'd be on a good he'd be on a good coin for the, in the Titans' eyes because they would have got him for a cheap deal. Um, but my only thing is, is he necessarily what they needed? Now, I think you can never have too many big middles like him, and he's so young. I think he fits their timeline perfectly. But they also do have a, a lot of forwards. But, 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 I think they are one injury away from being very slim. So I think he's a brilliant signing. I just think he didn't have a big, really big role for the Broncos uh, last year, and I think it's going to take him a while to kind of get adjusted. He's going to be one of the most heavily relied on forwards in this pack for the Titans. So for me, Palacio... It's a great situation for him. Um, obviously, he would have come up with David Fafita probably, um, and he—they have so many young forwards um, that he's just going to fit that to a T. Um, obviously, Fafita, Tino, uh, you can throw Fermore in there. Um, you can throw the other Fasul Malawi in there. Isaac, you can throw Kles Haas in there. Um, they have a, a nice little young pack, that, and Fodawaka, of course. How could I forget Big Mo? So. They have quite a nice pack going forward. I think he adds a lot of depth to that. I think he adds a lot of spark to that. Um, I think overall he will have an amazing year. So I'm I'm happy to eat my words after this. I'm just not too sure what his role is. I think it's a little bit undefined. Is he going to play lock? Is he going to play middle? Is he going to come off the bench and play a, a little stint? Are they going to start Tino in the front row and then go like Aaron Clark at 13 or something? Personally, I would go Tino at 13 with Keenan in the front row, but... What do I want to? I just sit here and I just sit here and just talk. So, yeah, I mean, you, you, I think the quality of player kind of comes in there because I think the the nine players I got ahead of him are a higher quality player. Just some, just some, uh, quite obvious. Then Palacia, but I think yeah, by the end of this, by the end of this year, I think he could be in a lot different spot. So could a few players on this list, but I think some of them are kind of cemented into where which range they'll be. He was one I found really hard to rank because I think he fits all the criteria to a T. It's just like he was playing in a very good Broncos team and now he's going to be on the forefront of this kind of Titans team. Now, I know they have a great pack, but there's still a lot of lot more pressure playing for the Titans than the rolling Broncos. Do you get what I'm saying? So for me, Palacio is in 10th just based on the fact that he's going to be taking on a much bigger role and just based on the fact that we haven't really seen him put it in for a consistent few games. I know he had a great back half of last year, but we need to see it for a consistent year. Do you get what I'm saying? So for me, yeah, Palacio comes in there at 10. Moving on to number nine, we've got Bud Sullivan to the West Tigers. Um, Now, Bud, he's on about 550K, uh, but in the new cap, obviously that's that's an okay deal, I think, for... Um, the level of half that he is. Um, 
Bud's had his up and downs, obviously, but I feel like he, he he's really coming to come into his own a little bit um, after playing next to Ben Hunt. I think he had a real great opportunity next to uh, Ben Hunt at the start of last year before Junior Ramon came back. Um, and I thought he was quite good, to be honest. I thought he was quite harshly, harshly dropped by Anthony Griffin, but we know what happened there. He was just trying to save his job, and they weren't winning games, so he had to try something, but... Yeah, I think Bud's going to take on a really big role in this Tigers team. Um, and I touched on Aiden Caesar not really making my list because it wasn't guaranteed if he's going to start or not. I think Bud Sullins was going to start. Whether it's at six or at seven, I think he is going to be there come round one. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, I think the battle is more between Caesar and Latu. I think Caesar will end up winning. But for me, he's starting. He's locked into that position. And I think there's so much potential that has he hasn't even touched yet that can really be unlocked under Benji Marshall. And I just think it's a great opportunity for him to go over to the Tigers and lead his own team around. Um, obviously, I think the quality of player, I think he's on a similar level to Palacia. A lot of a lot of people won't agree with that, but I've seen a lot of flashes from Bud Sullivan which show me that he, can, he is. Um, good money, team need and team fit is kind of where he took it there. Um, the Tigers had no halves after Luke Brooks left. Brandon Wakeham's on a one-year deal. Will Smith was on a one-year deal. Luke Brooks had signed with Manly. That was it. Dewey was Dewey's out for 18 months. They had no halves. Uh, so they get Latu, Fainu, Aiden Caesar, Bud Sullivan. You're cheering, aren't you? That's pretty good. And I think Bud Sullivan's the cream of the crop out of those three. And you've got young Lockie Galvin there too, who's also fighting for that six jumper. So that's kind of why I've got Bud Sullivan locked in here at nine. Um, I think he he's incredible. He's incredible. And I think... You know, with kind of the ability and the free reigns under Benji Marshall, I think he can be even better than what he's already shown. I remember quite specifically a game against the Tigers in Magic Round. He came on and started tearing up. That's when they put Ben Hunt to nine. And I think everyone was kind of looking at that as going, okay, the Dragons probably got something here. You know, Amon and Sullivan in the halves for the future. They probably got something going here. But yeah, for me, I just think he's he's down a bit lower because I think the, the guys up the top... They're a bit of a high, higher quality of player. Um, their deals are probably a little bit more team-friendly than Bud's. But I think Bud's going to have a crack in the year, bro. I think he, and he's like Palacia. He's like Palacia. Like, I think he could really explode in this Tiger system. And I think it's all kind of catered to the way he wants to play. Um, and I think they're really going to play to his needs. I think he's fighting for that starting spot next to Luai when Luai turns up next year. Um and I think he's going to make the most of that opportunity, to be honest. So, yeah, Bud Sullivan slides in there at nine. I think he's a great fit for the Tigers, and I think he's going to have an outstanding year. Moving on to number eight, it's Josh Curran from the Warriors to the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs have absolutely no middle forwards, and I think listening to a bloke in a bar podcast the other day, Josh Curran was like, I went to market as a 13. I went to market as a 13, that's where I want to play. I, I don't think he has much competition to play there, to be honest. So I think they're 100% going to go with there. So that's your team fit. That's your team fit. And your team need right there. They need a middle forwards. And I we saw Josh Curran in 2022, man. 2022? Was that? Yeah. Where he was like, first couple of rounds, people were talking about him, you know, as an origin bolter. And I think he can get back to that. I think he just needed to move away from um the Warriors I thought playing on the back road that's not his spot and he spoke about that he didn't really think he was a second rower either he didn't mind playing second row but sometimes it's a bit in in and in and out of the game I think he's a crack and lock and he can go for 80 I think he's a big culture player too for Serrano which is why I really like him going to the Bulldogs um quality of player as I said he's had he's had moments where people have been shouting him for origin um, there's no doubt about the level Josh Curran can play at. Um, he obviously had a few um, off-field issues uh, last year too, so I think that kind of impacted his form, especially at the start of the year. And on the coin, I'm not sure what coin he's getting, but you can't assume it's two overs, right? It's got to be probably 500, 600. And I don't think that's too bad for a player like Josh Curran. Like, he's on the young too, um, coming back home to Sydney. I think he's got a lot of untapped potential as well that... Serrano can tap into um it's just really about controlling his his consistency really I think if he can stay consistent you know his goal is to get back into origin talks I don't see a reason why he can't be there you know I don't see a reason why he can't get himself back into origin talks I think the people like Burton kick out I think they'll allow him to thrive he wants to play as a little bit of a ball playing lock so that fits perfectly into the new NRL scheme and I think that's 
yeah, I think I think this is a really good move for for Curran and for his career. I think it's it's a great possibility for him to. I think this is the best place for him to go to get himself back into Origin conversation. So, yeah, I really really like it. Really like it for Curran. Um, and I just think you know the Bulldogs. I know they come under a lot of scrutiny right, about some of their recruitment and just recruiting random players and whoever's, you know, being released by their club, that's who they recruit. But I think this one's a really smart one from Gus. I'll give him a lot of credit for this one. I think this is a really, really smart move. Um, I think he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder too, Joshy Curran. So um, I think I think he'll have a huge year. And I think the bottom half of this list is like, we're going to see how they go. They're, they're not the upper echelon quality of player, but they're in a position where they can succeed. And I think... Yeah, I think that's kind of what I've lent into a little bit with how I've graded these players and the way I've kind of um, shifted them in and around the list. And I think Josh Curran, as I said, he fits perfectly what they need. If he wants to sit back and play a bit of a ball-playing lock role, his middle defense is so solid, so he brings that too. I think he's a little bit of a Isaiah Yo kind of player. Very agile, very happy to move the ball and get creative with the ball. Uh, we saw that when he was at lock end at second row, and he's a great line runner. I see a lot of qualities about the top-tier locks in Josh Curran. It makes me really excited for the year he's going to have at the Bulldogs. Next up, we're moving in to number seven, Jake Avarillo to the Dolphins. Um, now, I almost put Josh Curran above Jake Avarillo, but I think Jake Avarillo as a player is just... He's too good, and there's too much potential in there. Now, this may be a bit low to some people um, in terms of the other people I've got on the list, but... He fits what they need, man. And I think him next to Jermaine Asako is just... Oh, it's like a glove, man. It's like a glove. I think Wayne Bennett is going to get a lot out of him defensively too. Um, obviously, we know Wayne likes his outside backs to be pretty strong defensively because um, it's hard to hide in a Wayne Bennett system. Um, Attacking-wise, this Dolphins team plays a lot of free-flowing attack. And just looking at the pace in that back line, Hammer, Tessinu, Asako, Avarillo, Barnworth... Oh, shut the gates, bro. If, they, if this team gets into open space, it's going to be very scary. Um, especially on that right edge. With You're probably, you're probably going Kafusi there too. Oh, I love it. I love it. He fits like a glove. Um, he, was a, he was a very impressive player for the Bulldogs last year. I'm really surprised they didn't do everything they could to keep him. But then again, when you are a losing side, you're probably happy to be a little bit flexible with your roster. But I think Avril is going to explode at the Dolphins. Um, I think he's got a lot of potential. The Bulldogs didn't really show it when they were playing him at halfback and at, at six. But, man, at center, he was lightning last year. He just had a knack of kind of breaking the line, even bending the line. Um, the only thing I'd like to see from Avril this year is take a few more tough carries. He did him at fullback. I'd just like him to get in there at center and play a little bit of a Herbie Farmworth role and get his hands on the footy inside that, you know, their own 30. They're in 20, and just take some big runs. I think that can really expand his game, get more touches of footy, don't wait for it to come to you, kind of float around, see what's happening. But it's up to Wayne, obviously, for that system. Um, I think it was reported he's on about 450-500, so I think that is a spectacular deal. If you're asking me if I would rather pay Jake Averillo 500k or Bud Sullivan 500k, it would be Jake Averillo, I think, if I'm the Dolphins. If I'm the Dolphins, let's just say that. Let's just say that. Um... He fits the team like a glove, like I already said. The team needed him. The Dolphins needed him. They had no centers. No centers. Oh, excuse me. Ewan Aiken and Brenko Lee were their two centers for majority of the year last year. And now they're running out with Jake Averillo and Herbie Farnworth. Yeah, yeah, they needed him. Especially after they let Brenko Lee go. I think this guy's an outstanding signing. I heard uh, Winston Neville on the Rugby League Guru podcast say that he can see... Avarillo playing Origin. I don't know if I'd go that far given the quality of centers in the New South Wales ranks, but I think he can be that level of player. I don't think he'll get selected for a game. I look at him as a bit of a prime Nofaluma maybe, where gun player, gun player, in talks for Origin, but just never made the cut. Jared Croker, there you go. Tell me about that. Jared Croker obviously never made an Origin game, never got a start. I think that's going to be similar to Jake Averillo, just a guy that's always in the conversations, but unfortunately just uh, never never pips the big boys. So I just think I just think Averillo is a brilliant signing overall. I think he, every part of the criteria, he meets it. Um, and that's why I've got him seventh. I think if you're one of the seven best signings of the year, you're pretty successful, right? And I think, again, he has the opportunity to float up that list. Um, but yeah, 
I think him under Wayne, it's it's a very scary prospect. It's a very scary prospect. And I think that's why I like the signing so much too, because I feel like Wayne Bennett is probably a coach that can get the most out of him. Um, I know it's pretty easy to flick him under any, flick Wayne Bennett and just be like, yeah, you'll get the best out of him, 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 him. But Jake Avrilo is someone who needs to work on his defense and the toughness of his game. And I'm not saying that it's poor because I don't think it's poor at all. But if those two things can improve, his all-round game is just nuts. You add that in with the attacking flair and kind of the dare-if-you-do mindset where he's going to be like, I'm going to push that past. I'm going to throw that dummy. I'm going to, I'm going to try things on this edge. I'm not just going to be this simplified player who just is so structured. Like he's a, he's a very feel of the game kind of player. He has a great feel for the game. You know, he knows when to attack. He knows when to not push the pass. He knows he makes the right decisions 99% of the time. And I think Wayne can get that up to 100. And then I think we're looking at a very, very scary player. So Jake Avrilo is at seven uh, for me in this list. I think this next guy is going to be a little bit controversial. Um, I think some people are going to kind of look at it and go, what you have him over Avrilo, but number six, I got Luke Brooks. I got Luke Brooks. Um, now, I know people are going to be like, Luke Brooks, ah, 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 he's a meme. Nah, he's a good football player, man. He's been stuck in a pretty poor system, um, unfortunately, and I think that's partly his fault, partly not. Um, but he is, he's good, man. He is good, and I think a lot of people are going to see that this year. He has no pressure on him, really, apart from the fact he's, he's Luke Brooks. That's the only pressure he's got on him to, uh, this year. I think he's coming into a team which loves to attack, which is Luke Brooks' mindset. He's very quick, a very shifty half who is willing to t- try his hand, and I know you didn't really see that with the Tigers, but that's because... Every week he was in the headlines. Every single week he was in the headlines, man. And I could imagine as a player being in the headlines like that. Every single week, non-stop. It, ta- it would take it out of you, obviously. Um, and he just, yeah, I think he's just got so much more to give, Luke Brooks. Um, I think playing next to DCE will, will mean he can just kind of play his own game. He doesn't have to worry about marching the team around the park. He'll only really have to worry about that come origin time, but that's three games a year and they probably got to buy for one of them, so you're probably alright. I just think I just think he, he really fits like a glove in this manly team and they needed him. The Josh the Josh Schuster experiment just didn't work. Um hence why he's moved to the back row. Now that's kind of why I got Luke Brooks a bit lower. Um, because I think if you're looking at the player, like the talent level of Luke Brooks, plus the fit with Manly, I think he could also be a top, almost be a top four, five signing of the year. But the reason I got him here is because I think that Schuster, Luke Brooks edge defensively is going to be a little bit sketchy to start with. Now they may be able to get it right, but Luke Brooks is notoriously not the best defender. I think he's actually a little bit underrated as a, as a one-on-one defender. He's made some big tackles in a Tigers team that was getting peppered on their line quite often, but Next to Josh Schuster, who isn't, again, the greatest defender. I, I'm not sure how that's going to work. I really like Ben Chaboyevich on that edge. He runs a great line. And I remember watching Luke Brooks with Luke Garner. And they used to... Luke Garner used to score a ton of tries off Luke Brooks. And obviously, he didn't use Papali'i the greatest last year. But Luke Garner, a great hole runner. Papali'i, that's not really his game. He's more of a bulldozer. I think Burbo... He runs a good line. I think he could be the partner for Luke Brooks. I think just because you give Josh Schuster this contract doesn't mean that he has to be there. You know, you've got you to reward the players that are busting it every single week. And I think Burbo could be a great partner next to Luke Brooks in that in that team. And I just think Luke Brooks brings another dimension to this team. You know, when, when Tommy's kind of getting shut down, you've got another little spark plug to chuck in there and get some ball. Luke Brooks has got a great running game. I think that's why he wasn't a seven because he's like Jerome Hughes, but without the kicking game and kind of the game management, but he's got the running game and that's what people don't see. There's a couple games last year against Canberra. Um, I mean, of course, against the Cowboys where they won 66-18, but he was incredible in both of those games. Incredible. And that's because he was just allowed to run and play free-flowing footy and there wasn't any pressure on him. And I think if he can get 24 games of that as a Manly Seagull, as a fan, as a player, as a coach, you're cheering. You're cheering. Now, 650K, 
on paper, it looks like a big number. I don't think it actually is that big. I don't think it is. If you're paying Bud Sullivan 550, Luke Brooks 650, yeah, 100K is a lot of money, but also, I don't think it's that much. The only issue I have with this signing is that they let Latu go. They let Latu go. Um, and that was, that was that's kind of the issue because now they don't really have another half. They got Jamie Humphreys there who has shown some potential, but they're trying to get him to be a hooker, I believe. He's, he's bulking up from what I've seen in preseason. So, if DCE decides to hang up the boots at the end of this year or next year, they've got Luke Brooks there on a four-year deal. And they need to find someone to partner him with. And you don't want to go back to square one of Luke Brooks being a dominant half. So that's my only kind of issue with the, with the move. But other than that, I just love it. I love it. And I'll, I'll want, I want to see Brooksy be successful. Um, I think some of the scrutiny he came under was so unfair. It wasn't even funny. So... For me, he's in a position now to succeed. Whether Seabolt can get the best out of him, I'm not sure. Now he's the he's one that could drop. He's one that could drop um, because I don't know. Manly, Manly. I feel like they sign players, and you're like, bro, that's a cracking signing for Manly, and then they just don't pan out. Marty Tapau, Tapau um, is kind of the prime example of that. He came from the Tigers, and you're like, bro, this guy's gonna be sick. DCE, Tommy, Marty. And he just never really lived up to it. Same as Josh Alloway. Um, and they're just some kind of ones I can flick off the top of my head. Now, they are not halves. But then again, that's their, their marquee signings. And Luke Brooks is one of them. I think they just got to be very patient with him. It's going to take him a while. Obviously, he's stepping into a brand new situation. But I think he's got a real opportunity to explode this year. He's only 28, 29 years old. You know, he's still got a good four five years of footy in him, especially what we're seeing in the modern game with the halves kind of aging like fine wine. They just get better and better every single year, even past 32. So I think Brooks, he's got a real opportunity for a fresh start and I think he, he really deserves it. And I think he's got a, I think he's going to prove a lot of people wrong this year. I think he's going to prove a lot of people wrong this year. And that does it for my top, my bottom five. Sorry, my six to 10. We're moving into the top five now. Now, if you guys are listening quite intently, kind of taking notes, you're going to understand that there are five names that still stick out here that I haven't mentioned. And that's probably the, the biggest five players that have moved around. Um, and now, I think it's interesting the kind of order I put them in. I don't think a lot of people would apply the same criteria as me um, when it comes to these five players. But let's just jump straight in, shall we? Number five, I've got Dominic Young to the Sydney Roosters. I think a lot of people would have him higher than this, to be honest. I think a lot of people would have him higher than this. Um, what is my what is my rationale? What is my rationale? The Roosters, the Roosters needed Dom Young. Let's be real; they needed Dom Young. For yeah, they needed Dom Young. Okay, um, Swali'i is going to rugby. Um, Tupo is coming to the end of his career. They needed Dom Young, right? So he does fit their team. I'm talking 2024. I'm not talking the rest of his career at the Roosters. I'm talking 2024. And for me, Dom Young, I think, is is the fifth best signing. I think he's the fifth best signing. I don't like Joseph Swali'i to center. Um, I think, arguably, Swali'i is a better winger than Dom Young when he's on that right wing. Um and yeah, they're paying him quite a lot of money. I think the the rumored figure was almost 700, 600, 700, maybe 500 in that range. That makes him one of the higher paid wingers in the game. And I think I think we need to see more than one season from Dong Young. Now, he's one of my favorite players in the comp. But he got going once the Knights got going. So he obviously plays on the back of team success, which I've spoken in regards to wingers for quite a while. They they will always play on the back of how they either their inside men are going or the rest of the team are going. And he's playing with KP, who is a ball sharing fullback. Um, they have a lot of more ball dominant players at the Roosters, so I think it's going to be hard of him to kind of get the touches he was getting at the Knights and the ball that he was getting at the Knights. But once again, he's the best finisher in the game in my opinion right now, and I think. The Roosters probably need that. Um, he's just electric. He's going to bring so much to that team. Coming out of trouble, under the high ball, like, they got such a big back line. Swali, Itupo, and Dom Young, and then once Tupo probably retires at the end of the year, Nwanga Nitawase comes in. He's a giant. They got a, they got a big back line. Now, 
it's just because he's a winger, I think, that he's not number one. Because I actually think his fit in the Roosters just makes him almost a super team. Now, I know I spoke about Swaliti having to go to centre. I'm not a huge fan of that. But I also think he only played like eight games, nine games there last year. So it's still kind of untested. But I think Dom Young could hit another level in this team. He could really hit another level in this team, man. And I think he could score 25 to 30 tries this year. And I know he did that last year. But I think he could he could even scratch 35, including finals. Like, playing outside Joey Manu, that fit is nuts out there. Because Joey Manu and Dane Gogo, they have a, a similar play style where they like to break tackles and they like to offload the football and they like to take tough carries. So I think the more I talk about it, the more I think about it, Dom Young fits like a glove. And the quality of player, he's 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 a a star. He's a star. He's a top five winger in the comp. So the more I think about it, the more I get excited about it. But I just think the other four players are gonna pay gonna play. Oh, you know what? No, nah, you can't change the list now. You can't change the list now. But yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm pretty settled on my four. I'm pretty settled on my four. Dom Young just needs to play another couple of years. He needs to do this for another couple of years to really prove that he is that high level player. But if he reaches that man. Oh, that Roosters team is scary, bro. That Roosters team is scary. But yeah, I got Dom Young there at number five. I think he's an amazing pickup by the Roosters. I can't believe the Knights didn't fight harder to keep him. I know hindsight's a beautiful thing, but I think still everyone could kind of see where his career was heading after that World Cup. And for me, I think he's just going to get better under Robbo. Now, the Roosters need to sort out their their starts to the year um, because they need to get rolling pretty soon because we saw it was kind of hard to integrate Brandon Smith into that kind of team and format um, the longer that that losing went on. So I think they need to start strong this year, get Dom Young into the swing of things, and I think that'll be sweet from there, man. I think I love the fit. He doesn't ask too much of the ball, um, but he's going to do the tough stuff for you. I think defensively he's kind of... A little bit of an issue, but I think Joey Manu can hold his own defensively, and they're probably going to have Siwa Wong out there. So maybe that's a little bit of a sketchy fit, um, just given the inexperienced Siwa Wong defending alongside Dom Young, who's not the greatest defender, with probably Luke Keery on that edge. So maybe they leak a few points down there, but I think he's going to get you some back. Um, yeah, I think he's going to get you some back on the other end. So yeah, I got Dom Young in there at five. Jack Whiten, number four. Jack Whiten in number four. Um, now, this is a bit of a hard one to rank for me because Jack Whiten... Jack... Souths didn't really need him, did they? Now, again, hindsight, as we spoke about with um, Dom Young and the Knights not retaining him, hindsight's a beautiful thing. Uh, no one really saw Isaiah Tass, I don't think, coming into the year and being a breakout kind of player, but he did. And I think South jumped the gun a little bit. I think Jack Wine was always going to be there for them to get. No matter how long that's, that thing went on, I think they could have waited to see how the year panned out and then had seen if they really needed him. But I think at the end of the day, he is an amazing fit for them. I think defensively, that's what they really need. That Tass, I don't think Tass is the greatest defender. And I also think Tass can be a little bit up and down on his decision-making. Um, but I think Jack Wine fits into that team just perfectly. Perfectly. And he can play a range of different positions. Fullback, 5'8", center, second row, lock, you name it. You could probably even play some hooker. You know, he's he's got a lot in his arsenal that I think South were missing last year. And he's got that kind of mongrel in defense, which I think fell out of South last year. I just think Jack Whiten, 850k is the part I'm a little bit skeptical about. He's a rep player, so yeah, I guess you're going to have to always pay that kind of amount for him, but... 850k, I think, is a little bit dear for a 31, 32-year-old player on a four-year deal. It's a lot of money, but I think the thing people were failing to look at, and I heard this on a podcast, I think I heard this on Bloke as well, uh, Jack Wine's going to get the best out of the troll. Like, they're like best mates, brothers almost. I think they're going to smash it. I think they both got a chip on their shoulder. Obviously, Jack Wine copped a bit of flack for going... Um, and getting out of Canberra, I would have too, because I don't think they're going to have the best year this year. And Latrell, obviously with the whole saga at South last year, with him fa- being favourited and whatnot, whatever media, media blow-up that was, they both got a point to prove. Latrell wants to prove he's the best player in the comp. 
Jack White wants to win a premiership. These guys are hungry, man. I think that's kind of why I've got Jack White and above Dom Young. It's just because I think he's going to bring a different level of intensity to South, which I don't think they've had for the last couple of years since Dang guys left. Um, and I think he can bring a real Dame Gagai kind of impact, you know, that older head kind of center um, that can bust a lot of tackles and is willing to take the toughest carries and is an absolute missile in defense. I don't think people are understanding how good he's going to be in defense for this team. I think Alex Johnston struggles in defense. Obviously, everyone kind of knows that, and so does Cody Walker. Um, but I think Jack Whiten and possibly Kaloa Matangi on that left edge, that's what they're talking about. Whether it's him or whether it's Arrow or whether it's Talis Duncan, I think Jack Whiten's a perfect fit on that left edge. And I think the way the left edge center plays where he runs a great line or is there to just be the hands, little tap on the AJ in the corner, Whiten again can play that role so beautifully. Um, and I don't think Jack Whiten really wants to be the guy anymore. I think he just wants to be kind of the last piece of the puzzle for South Sydney. And I think he can be that if he's really switched on and locked in. I think as long as his attitude's sweet, as long as the trail's attitude's sweet, Cody Walker's attitude's sweet, as long as these boys have got themselves in check, like, I think we're almost looking at a super team. Almost looking at a super team. Now, yeah, Jack Ryan was a hard one to rank because obviously he didn't have the best year at Canberra last year, but we know what he's capable of. He's a Clive Churchill medal winner, a Dally M medal winner. Question the integrity of the award all you want. I think he definitely was top two for both of them. So it was just kind of the voters after that. But Jack White, I think, is in for a huge year. And I think a lot of people have kind of forgotten almost about him going to South Sydney. And because South didn't go that great last year, I think people want to pile on him. But I think they're going to give Penrith a real run for their money this year. And I think Jack White's going to have a big role in that. Um, the only thing it kind of leaves you with is an Isaiah Tass problem, and that's kind of where the team need part of the category comes in. They didn't necessarily need him, um, as they had Isaiah Tass, who was already in pretty good form and is shaping up like a really good young player um, in that left-centre role, but I think if you're trying to win a comp, you need as many experienced players as you can. And with the potential to move into a six role with Cody Walker in a seven, if they don't like what Lachlan Elias or Dean Hawkins are giving them... Um, there's that possibility too, and that's where Tass kind of comes back into the team. So I think Jack White just gives you a lot more things to throw at teams, um, and it kind of allows you to open up another dimension in the game um, for him to not so much take over, but to really make his mark defensively. I, I think that's what South has been really missing since Gagai left, and, and Gagai, Gagai isn't the defender that White is either. Um, I think White's going to be snapping blokes, and it's going to get the team G'd up, and... Yeah, that's why I had him above Tom Young now that I think about it. I just think just the veteran presence that he brings is going to be outstanding. Um, it's going to make a real impact on South. So for me, I really like signing a Jack White into the Bunnies. And um, I think he's going to bring them a bit of a different look as to what they've had in the last couple of years. And I think he just gives them a bit more solid, solidarity um, and a bit more insurance, um, assurance, whatever you want to say on that uh, left edge. We're going to take a little quick one last break and then we're going to jump into our top three. All right, top three, top three time. Um, this has been a bit of a longer pod just by myself, hey? So if he's uh, still listening, I really appreciate that uh, for sure because I can't listen to myself talk for this long. <laughs> um, number three, number three. Uh, this one. Well, I take some people by surprise. I got Tom Flegler to the Dolphins at number three. They say at number three. What number three? Yeah, number three. Um, Tom Flegler was the third best forward at the Broncos last year, behind Pat Carrigan and Payne Haas, who I think are top ten players in the competition. Uh, starting front row for Queensland. Oh yes, was he eventually? Was he eventually? Maybe. I think he was. I think he was. I remember he was named to start there. I can't remember if Billy brought him off the bench, though, because I know that was a big uh, conversation. But Toby Flegler, um, I think the Dolphins' pack is aging, especially in the front row. And, like, the the, the core of Tom Gilbert, Tom Flegler, Canelli, Lem, Lemuelu, um, they've got some dogs in there, bro. Some dogs. Um, last year, Jared Wallace was outstanding. Um I still got Jesse Bromwich there, but he's getting older. Mark Nichols, he's getting older. Um, so I think Tom Flagler just, this is going to be his pack, 
really. I think this is going to be his pack and kind of his chance to take a real leadership role in the team. And I can see him really thriving in it, to be honest. I can see him really making the most out of this. Um, I think Wayne Bennett's going to get his discipline sorted. Um, I think, yeah, I just think he's going to blow up. I think he's going to get like 60 minutes a game in the grand final. You saw what he's capable of in big games. Like he steps up to the occasion. He's aggressive. Um, he's one of our top offloaders in the entire competition as well. So I think that's why um, I really like this signing because he's going to move the ball really well. And that allows Hammer and Avarillo and Herbie and all these guys to get into space. And he's willing to do the tough stuff. There's some front rowers who won't really rip in like that every single game, but every single minute that Flegler's on the field, he's going to give 110% no matter what he's doing. Um, he gets really quick play the balls um, at some points. He's very quick in finding his front. And I just I just really want to see what he can do um, outside of the shadow of Payne Haas and uh, Paddy Carrigan. Now, it's it was reported he's on 800000 a year. Um which I feel is a lot of money, but I just saw what the Warriors offered Hamlin Wele, and that was 733 per year is kind of what they were in the ballpark of that, because I think they said 2.2 mil for three years or something. Um, but I think it would be more front-loaded. Um, but oh, I think Flegler is worth more than... I think I think Flegler covers at 77k um, compared to Hamlin Wele. Um, he's about 24, 25 years old, Flegler, um, and I think he's going to be a Queensland for for many years to come. And I just think him having the opportunity to play, um, you know, such a pivotal role in this Dolphins pack, especially building off the year he had last year, I think he's gone under the radar a lot um, in terms of other people. I think the Broncos are going to desperately miss him too. Um, obviously, the money is a little bit overs I think still for a front row I probably wouldn't be paying 800k for a front row but AFB and that AFB is getting what 1.1 from the Sharks or something like that 950 so I think 800k is almost fair for Flegler it's a little bit over but, 800, but that's the new market that's the new market so I don't think 800k is too bad team fit fits like a glove Exactly what a Wayne Bennett player needs. Obviously, Wayne Bennett goes out and, and he searches for the qualities in between each forward. Hard worker, lots of effort, discipline. He's refining that. Um, and very close to the line, he is great. I think JMK is going to thrive off having Flegler there. You saw how he was setting up Wallace last year. This guy, Wallace, scored like six or seven tries last year or something like ridiculous. I think Flegler could <laughs> be way better than that. Um, close to the line, Flegler just... He's a bulldozer. You saw that in the grand final with the try that he scored uh, just before half time. Yeah. Did he? He did score. He did score, right? Because there was a whole contra- controversy. Please tell me he scored. <laughs> I hope I really didn't mess that up. Hold up. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just decide that Flegler scored. Let me just... Let me just double check that, man. Because, bro, I don't want to... Yes, he scored in the 38th minute. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I just had to double check, bro, because I don't like to be that guy that, you know, says something, stands on it, and keeps going. So, yeah, Flegler did score in the grand final. I remember the try quite visibly now that I think about it. Um, short ball from Billy Walters, bang, uh, straight over the line for Flegler. I think you're going to see that quite a few times from Jeremy Marshall King. That's kind of what he loves doing close to the line. Not really Billy Walters' forte. So I think just with the improved hooker as well, it's going to help Flegler take his game to the next level. And I think with consistent, you know, Australian caps and Queensland reps, yeah, we're looking at an absolute machine of a front row. And I just think he's going to continue to evolve his game. Um, I think his offload count is also going to... He'll, he'll he'll have like 10 extra offloads in this Dolphin system, especially with how JMK kind of follows um, around the around the ball um, and the way the Dolphins like to play last year. I think Flegler's just in for a huge year, and I think he's another superb get by what has been... I don't think copped a lot of scrutiny for it as well, the Dolphins, that they couldn't get a marquee player, but this Wayne Bennett-Christian Wolf recruitment drive has been outstanding. I've loved every single minute of it. Every single minute of it. And... Um, Speaking of Wayne Bennett recruitment drive, number two, Herbie Farnworth. Herbie Farnworth. Um, is he the best center in the game? I am not going to put my thoughts out there because we're going to probably get to that in a pod before the season, me and Jared. Um, but I think Herbie Farnworth 
seriously could become a top five player in the comp. He is that good. In attack, he is almost unstoppable. Breaks a million tackles. So smart with the ball. So quick with the ball. Such a great support runner. In defense, immaculate reads. He's not always going to be perfect, but most of the time, outstanding. Those carries out of trouble were amazing. I think he led the Broncos in meters last year and carries per game. He does it all. He does it all. And he backed himself. He took himself to the market. He said, I want 800 to 850. Dolphins gave it to him. It sounded like he was going to re-sign with the Broncos for unders for a little bit. Then that never happened. Then it got announced he signed with the Dolphins. And I think everyone was questioning whether he was worth that kind of bread. He, he's worth it. He's worth that bread, bro. I promise you. Um, I think under Wayne... There's not really much that Wayne has to do to Herbie Farmer to improve his game. I think it's just more that this is now almost Herbie's team. Um, and that he is a solidified top three player on this roster. I would say he's he's the best player on the roster right now. Um, I think he's fit. Next to Tessie News, the only thing that scares me a little bit, just because I think he's going to have to compensate for a lot of Tessie News decisions. But then again, oh, it's going to be Bostock, isn't it? It's going to be Bostock. It's going to be Bostock. Still, my point stands. You know, they're not really the the top echelon of wingers. I think Bostock has potential, but Herbie Farmer is going to have, have to do a lot of compensating for Bostock. Um, but I think off Lemuelu, I think that's an X factor type left hand side. I think the Dolphins' attack is going to be nuts this year. I actually think they're going to make the eight. Um, I know a lot of people don't feel that way, but I think the Dolphins are going to sneak into the eight. I really, I really do. It's just their halves that worry me. But I got a lot of faith in myself. I got a lot of trust in myself, and I think he's a great half. But anyway, getting away from the season preview. Um, Herbie Farmworth, I think he's worth more than what he's on. I think he's like a nine hundred thousand player. Um, the Dolphins got in there and got him when no one else was really after him, which is another incredible get by Wayne Bennett. Um, I just think he's still got so much more upside to give as well, Herbie. And Young um, wants to wants to prove that he can be the best of the best. Um, obviously, can't play Origin, so we'll never see him at that kind of level. But obviously, we'll see him at the English level playing against Australia. I just think he's going to keep getting better, man. I think if they put a really solid... If, if Bostock can turn into the winger that we kind of thought he was going to be last year, I think Herbie Farmworth... Is going to be outstanding. I think he'll win Dallium Center again. Obviously, he was Dallium Center uh, last year. I think he can keep going with that. Um, I don't, yeah, I just think if you're talking about team fit, obviously we spoke, we touched on the centers um, a little bit before. He obviously fits what they need. They had Ewan Aitken and Brinko Lee. Uh, Herbie Farmworth is better than three Ewan Aitkens. No hate. Maybe two. <laughs> Maybe two. Um, Team need, again, they desperately needed centers, and he fits exactly what they do. So both of those, I think he's 1B, 1A maybe. Um, quality of player, he's a superstar. He's a superstar. He's a top three center in the comp, no questions asked. And on the money that he's on, I think that's what you're going to be paying Marquez centers. Like Bradman Best is about to get 700. And I think Herbie Farnworth's at least a tier better than Bradman Best. So some people may not agree with me with that, but I think... That's pretty fair, and I think that's... I mean, Herbie Farnworth kind of explains himself um, in terms of being in the top two signings. So, yeah, the Dolphins have three signings on this list, so I think it's going to be a pretty uh, promising year for the Finns this year. <clears throat> all right, number one, the moment you've all been waiting for. You've all been sitting here, oh, my team signed this guy, my team signed this guy. Who'd your team sign? Who'd your team sign? Number one is... Stephen Crichton. Stephen Crichton. Okay, you got me. It's Stephen Crichton. Now, people... I don't think people are going to th- put him this high, but, like, he... To me, he is the best center in the comp. I know I said I wouldn't comment on that. He said that. He said that. He's the best center in the comp. You saw what he did in the grand final. You saw see what he does every single grand final. He's a winning player that Serrata has been there throughout the whole development of. Um, I think the culture he's going to bring to the Bulldogs, him, Box... Um, Birdo, Kikau, Marnie. I think they're building a real solid core up there. Um, and I think I think Crichton will play center 
for what it for what it's worth. Um, I think he will play centre, and that's why he's number one. If he was going to play fullback, I don't even know if he'd be in the top five, to be honest with you. Um, 900k, I think he's worth it. I think he's worth it. We're talking about Herbie on 800, 850. I think Stephen Crichton's worth that. Maybe it's a little bit overs, um, but you're only talking 50k, I think. So to get him down to the Bulldogs, I think they had to pay overs. Um, he's fit on, I would assume, the left. Are we going to back him in on the left? I'll back him in on the left, I think, because I think Bron- Bronson's going to be on the right. Him or Tracy, so I'm gonna I'm gonna back I'm gonna back Crichton in on the left, um, next to Kikau and Kiraz. I think that is a dynamite left edge, and I know the Bulldogs' left edge hype was getting so much last year because it was going to be uh, Fox and it was going to be oh no Kiraz is on the right, bro. I'm talking about Crichton's next to Fox. Wait. Hang on. No, because someone's confused me. Fox played on the left last year, right? He played right in Origin. And Crichton played left. That's what's confusing me. I'm thinking about Origin. No, I think Crichton will play on the on the right. I think Cherry, because Cherry was already talking about playing next to Fox on the left. I think Cherry will play on the left. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Take back everything I said. I still, it still applies. It still applies. Sorry, I'm getting confused about Origin, bro, because Stephen Crichton lined up on on the left. Stephen Crichton lined up on the left. And um, Foxy was on the right next to Turbo. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brad Fitler, for completely confusing me. But I think Crichton comes in. I think he's going to be a hub of attack, even though he's going to be in the centers. But I also think it doesn't put too much pressure on um, the halves to get him the ball that much. At fullback, he's going to be defending the ball a lot more, and he's probably going to be a bit more ball-dominant than he should be. Um, I just think give him a year at center. Yeah, if he kills it, cool. If you want to give him a whack at fullback towards the end of the year and he kills it, cool. I think either way, he's going to be outstanding. Um, I think he brings a lot to this club. Um a lot of hope to this club. I think he's the best signing they've had in quite a few years. Um, I wasn't necessarily too high on the kick-out signing when they got him, but I think Crichton is one I look at, and I'm like, okay. Just his name on the Bulldogs team sheet alone makes them a lot more scared of him than I was last year, for sure. Um, as a Tigers fan, you're scared of everyone, but I'm talking about for the, for the general competition. Um, yeah, Stephen Crichton, number one for me. Quality of player, I think he's the best center in the comp. I think he's a top. 10 player in the competition yeah I'm happy to stand on that um, and I just think this year he could take it to another level with this kind of being his team I understand Burton's is kind of the sixth the face Crichton's better than Burton um, I also saw some people suggesting Burton and Crichton to be the centers no way no way bro are you dumb as if they would do that who are they going to play in the halves then Drew Hutchison and Toby Sexton come on man Come on, there's no, there's no way that Burton will be playing in the centers for this team that lacks a lot of halves. So I think the question is more who's the fullback going to be, and I think that will determine how successful this signing is. For me, Tracy, once he's back from injury, is the fullback. Uh, I think they're going to start the year with Blake Taff. But I think Crichton... Yeah, I didn't really mention Tracy in my honorable mentions. Obviously, I thought the other couple signings were better than him. Sorry, Bulldogs already had a lot of utilities. We haven't really seen Tracy with a defined position, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, yeah, Stephen Crine, I think, is the best player on this list, which is kind of why he's number one. Um, the money is fine for the name attached to it, and to drag him out of Penrith, I think you had to kind of pay that. He's a superstar, Origin, Samoa, you name it. He's done it at every level. He's clutch. He's a three-time Premier, four-time Grand Finalist, four minor Premierships, I think. Yeah, he's a gun. Maybe three minor premierships. Three or four minor premierships. Uh, it's in that range. Three or four minor prems. He's a Dallium center of the year. He's everything that the Bulldogs need at the moment. And I think he is the best signing of 2024 early. We'll see how it goes, okay? I think a lot of people had kick out there last year. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, an hour pot on my own, bro. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? What is this guy doing, man? But... I appreciate you all for listening, of course. Um, so grateful to uh, have the audience that we have. And we're only trying to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Hopefully, big things to come in 2024. Um, we're trying to make moves to produce the best content that we can and to hopefully 
expand some into some uh, new content for you guys. So I appreciate it again, everyone listening. I appreciate you being able to put up with my voice for an hour. Um, but you just let me know. You just let me know. DM on Instagram. Let us know. Um, maybe even in the reviews or whatnot. Let us know um, who you reckon is going to be the best 2024 signing. Me personally, I think it's going to be Stephen Crichton, but I can definitely see if you say Herbie Farnworth, if you say Luke Brooks, if you say Flegler, Whiten, Young, I can see any of it. So I appreciate you all for listening. Um, stay blessed. and We'll see you on Tuesday. It might be Tuesday or Wednesday. Depends when I upload it. But yeah, we'll see you then. I appreciate you all for listening. Um, I've been Tom. Yeah, I'll catch you later. Peace.